Hey there, future friends! This week, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, we're going back in time, and we are going to say the magic words one more time. This is the week of March 17th, 2023, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. It is time for more new movies and here I am to tell you all about them because that is what I do on this show. I find out about all of the different movies coming out during the week and then I tell you what they are. I put them into two categories, the limited releases, which are movies that aren't getting a big release and didn't really catch my eye, and then the wide releases in interesting indies where it's every wide release, no matter how good it looks, and those indies that did catch my eye. I then give you a pick of the week, which I say, hey friends, if you see one movie this week, this has the highest chance of being the best. I do take different things into account, like how good it would look on the big screen, because let's face it, even if some smaller indie film may be technically a better film than something Marvel or DC puts out, the Marvel or DC movie is going to look better on the big screen. Of course, this is all my opinion. Always feel free to reach out to me with your opinions. Please let me know. You can find all the ways to contact me in the show notes, or the link tree in the show notes, that is. But my future friends, why beat around the bush any longer? Let us jump into the limited releases. Let's start with one called Bottoms. This is a limited release coming out on the 11th. I'm recording this on the 13th, so it's already out. So actually, this came out on the Saturday after last week's episode, so maybe I should have talked about it then, but who cares? Two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation. This stars Ayo Edebiri from The Bear, Dagmara Dominics, I think, from Succession, Ruby Cruz from Willow, the TV show, and Rachel Sennett from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. After that, we have a movie called The Siege coming to video on demand on the 14th. So tomorrow, after I record this, Walker, an international assassin and hitman, is compromised during a final mission. His handler sends him to a reassignment center, at which Walker will be processed for a new identity. During his stay at the facility, a ruthless assault team storms a compound searching for someone their boss has lost. Walker begrudgingly falls in with Elda, a skilled hitwoman, and Juliet, her mysterious ward, in order to maximize the chance to survive the night. This stars no one of note. Next up, we have a movie called La Civil. This is an L.A.-only release. So far, this is the story of Silo, a mother whose teenage daughter is kidnapped in northern Mexico. When the authorities offer no support in the search, Silo takes matters into her own hands and transforms from housewife into vengeful militant. This is a movie from Mexico and could be pretty interesting. But like most weeks when we have New York or L.A.-only releases, I 100% skip it just because... How many of you even live in New York or L.A.? Probably not a lot of you. Next up is called All the World is Sleeping. Fighting for her own life and the ones she loves, a mother in New Mexico sinks deeper in her addiction while struggling to surface for her daughter. This stars Melissa Barrera from Scream 2022, 
Jackie Cruz from Orange is the New Black, Kirsten Gutowski from Chicago Fire, and Jorge Garcia from Lost. So here's the thing, this does look good, this does look like a really well-acted movie, but it just seems so done before. I know it's an important topic to talk about, struggling with addiction, mental illness, anything like that is very important, but nothing about this movie really stands out, besides the fact that Melissa Barrera looks like she does a good job, but that's not enough to sell me on this film. By the way, if you can't tell by my voice, I do have a cold again. Yay for me, but yay for the deep voice. Next up, my friends, is a movie called Rodeo. Julia, a young misfit who is passionate about writing, meets a crew of dirt riders who fly along at full speed and perform stunts. She sets about infiltrating their male-dominated world, but an accident jeopardizes her ability to fit in. This is a movie from Friends. And it kind of looks cool, but it also kind of looks like a gigantic waste of time. It gives me Gleaming the Cube vibes, like if... Someone from France rewatched Gleaming the Cube with Christian Slater and went, you know what? I think I could remake this and make it artsy. That's kind of the feeling I get. Two movies left in this section, my friends. And the next one is called The Origin of Evil. A woman on the verge of financial collapse attempts to reconnect with her wealthy, estranged father and his new family. It's another movie from France. Yay, France! And finally, in this section is one called The Ghost Within. A young woman revisits her family home, desperate to discover her sister Evie's murderer 20 years before. After a series of terrifying encounters with Evie's ghost at 9.09pm, Margot knows she must fight to learn the truth once and for all. This stars no one of note, and if I'm being perfectly honest, it almost made it in the wide releases and interesting indie section. I do think this looks like a horror movie that I could like, but I've talked about this before where I've had trailers that I've watched where part of the trailer I'm really into and then another scene makes it look like it's shot on someone's phone in a high school gymnasium or something like that. But at the end of the day, I just couldn't put it in that section and so it stays here. Well, that is it for the limited section. Uh, We do have quite a few movies in the wide releases and interesting indies, but instead of waiting to the halfway mark to do the break, I'm just going to do it now. Like, honestly, does anyone really care when I do the break as long as it's not, like, right away or, like, moments before the end? As long as it's somewhere in the middle, it doesn't matter, right? So let us take that break and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. And we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good Good journey, nerds! Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds! Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits, 
You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. My future friends, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let us start with the first of a couple limited movies in this section first called supercell a teenage boy runs away to follow his father's footsteps legendary storm chaser bill brody this stars skeet ulrich from scream alec baldwin from 30 rock and haish from six days and seven nights and daniel dimer from the half of it so this is one of the final things and haish was working on she has like five other things and i don't know how close they were to being done so if we're actually going to see them because uh, I know she did a TV show and had like four other movies besides this one. But yes, this is a tornado movie. Seems very similar to Twister and the little known Bruce Campbell tornado movie called Tornado. Released the same year Twister did, so it never had a chance. But it was a good film. In fact, I remember recording Tornado off the TV and bringing the VHS tape. Some of you may have only heard about those in, uh, in Legends, but I took the VHS tape to my science class in middle school and we watched it. So this doesn't look good, but it also doesn't look bad. Like if you see this on a streaming service somewhere later on, it might be fun. It looks like they actually put some effort into the CG. It looks like that this isn't just a straight to VOD movie, even though it has all rights to be. It doesn't have a bad cast. I mean, Alec Baldwin, not, not the best, still kind of problematic, but... Again, we have a lot of worse people out there at this point. Of course, it's been a while since I looked into what Alec Baldwin did, so please forgive me if I'm underplaying his, uh, his sins, but Skeet Ulrich and Heche, that's pretty good. Supercell looks like it could be worth your time, but later. And Supercell gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a movie called Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game. This is a limited-release biopic. The story of Roger Sharp, the young Midwesterner who overturned New York City's 35-year-old ban on pinball machines. This stars Mike Feist from West Side Story, Crystal Reed from Gotham, and Dennis Batsikaris from Better Call Saul. So, we have a biopic about the man who helped make pinball machines not illegal or legalize them in New York. What a random f***ing movie. Who thought, who, who sat there in their Hollywood office somewhere and went, I know, f***ing pinball machines. We should do a story about the history of pinball machines. And then they made this movie. I joke, but this movie doesn't look too bad because it's, it seems like it's a mockumentary in the sense that it's not a true documentary, even though what they're talking about is a real thing. There's an actor playing, uh, what's the guy's name again? Roger Sharp. And there's a scene where he's playing pinball in front of like the city or state council or, or some group of government people who are in charge of this ban. And like he's so passionate about pinball. It just seems really, really goofy, but goofy in the sense that they knew what they were doing. And it's not just stupid. It is a period piece. And you know what? It's just about an interesting topic, even if I joked about it. So I thought, why not? Check this movie out, but again, just like Supercell, one day. Pinball, the man who saved the game, gets a 6 out of 11. 
and my future friends. Next movie up is one called Moving On, another limited, the second to last limited in this section. And it is about two old friends reconnect at a funeral and decide to get revenge on the widower who messed with them decades before. This stars Jane Fonda from Barbarella, Lily Tomlin from 9 to 5, Malcolm McDowell from Star Trek Generations, Richard Roundtree from Shaft, he is Shaft in fact, and Sarah Burns from Werewolves Within. So we have yet another movie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. I really think they are trying to capitalize on Gracie and Frankie. And you know what? Why not do it? I like these. I like when we have actors who do a lot of movies together. So then later we can look back at that collection, look back at all the different movies they did and appreciate them. So I like this, but it also looks funny because one of the first things in the trailer is Jane Fonda walking up to Malcolm McDowell and telling him, I'm going to kill you. And so the whole trailer is about her trying to convince Lily Tomlin to help her and also her trying to find a weapon and then figure out how she's going to do it. So this is one of those movies with an older main cast. We do talk about those quite a bit, like 80 for Brady was a recent one. And what I really like about them is that they are still accessible to everyone else. If you're around my age, I'm in my late 30s, I'm 39, if you remember the movies Grumpy Old Men, those were accessible to us then too. I laughed, I thought they were really good, and this one looks like it's a fun comedy as well. A little darker, yes, but not so dark that I think it makes it inaccessible to those who don't like stuff like that. I think this is a good comedy all around, but something to wait for streaming. Moving on gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie called There's Something Wrong with the Children. This is coming straight to MGM+. A family takes a trip with longtime friends and their two young children, but they suspect something supernatural when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. This stars Alicia Rainwright from Shadowhunters, Amanda Crew from Silicon Valley, Carlos Santos from Gentrified, and Zach Guilford from Friday Night Lights. If this wasn't coming to MGM+, Plus, it probably wouldn't have made it in this section. It just looks very mediocre. It seems like it's trying to sell itself as a horror, but it's more of a thriller. Which, even though a horror is a type of thriller, if you go into it wanting a horror movie, you could probably be disappointed. The acting didn't look bad. It just, just nothing about this grabbed my attention. So that's why there's something wrong with the children. It's a five out of 11. After that, my friends, we have a movie called The Magician's Elephant. This is a Netflix movie. An orphaned boy is told by a fortune teller that an elephant will help him find his lost sister. This features the voices of Brian Tyree Henry, Natasha Demetrio, Mandy Patinkin, Benedict Wong, Miranda Richardson, and Noah Jupe. So no shade to any of those voice actors in this, but you put famous people in voice-only roles like this in animated movies to draw in people who may not have been interested otherwise. That is the point of these ridiculously big casts for animated films when they're not needed. But when you get these people, perfectly great actors, like if I see Mandy Patinkin or Brian Tyree Henry, Miranda Richardson, any of these people in a movie it will make me look twice at that movie. But for an animated film, I don't care enough. Why not get actual voice actors who could probably bring something very interesting and entertaining to the table? 
who you could pay less because they're not these recognizable names. But let's put the vocal cast aside. Let's talk about this as a movie. It still doesn't look that great. This looks like somewhere in between a cringy Christian knockoff of a Pixar movie and early DreamWorks or Pixar. So it looks not that great. It looks like it would have been at the top of its game like 10 years ago, maybe. And the story on its own, I really don't give a sh**. If you have kids, maybe they might like this. Maybe it would be entertaining for them, and that's fully great. But for me, an adult, and for you listening to this, who is probably also an adult, I will 100% skip this. The Magician's Elephant gets a 4.5 out of 11. After that, my friends, we have the final limited release movie called Wildflower, a coming-of-age film that follows B. Johnson from birth to graduation as she navigates life with an intellectually disabled parent and an extended family who can't quite agree on the best way to help. This stars Kiernan Shipka from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Dash Mihook from Romeo and Juliet, he played Ben Volio, Charlie Plummer from Looking for Alaska, Alexandra Daddario from Texas Chainsaw, Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond, Reed Scott from Veep, Erica Alexander from Living Single, Jackie Weaver from Silver Linings Playbook, and Gene Smart from 24. So apparently this movie is based on a true story. Like most cases with movies that are based on true stories, I don't know how much of this is true. But I do know it gives me CODA vibes. In the sense that if you remember that movie Coda from a year or two ago about the kid that was raised hearing in a deaf household and the struggles that that child went through, this gives me a similar feeling. We have this girl, B. Johnson, who has to take care of her parents. I I don't understand why the premise was worded that way because it says an intellectually disabled parent because it seems like both of her parents are, are alive and they both seem slow, but she has to take care of them and she's terrified of leaving she doesn't think she can leave she thinks she has to live in this small town forever because she can't leave her parents and so that's the question do you trust that your intellectually disabled parents can take care of themselves like if something happened while you were away can you ever forgive yourself i think that's a big question so not only does this look well acted and it seems like it's an interesting premise altogether i thought the trailer presented its case very well is why I have to watch this, but once again, eventually. I do want to see this. I will keep an eye out for it on any streaming service, but for now, I will say, my future friends, Wildflower looks like it's a safe bet for a future day. Wildflower gets a 7 out of 11. My future friends, next up is our last streaming movie. I had to double check the last streaming movie. It's called Boston Strangler, and it's on Hulu. Loretta McLaughlin was the reporter who first connected the murders and broke the story of the Boston Strangler. She and Jean Cole challenged the sexism of the early 60s to report on the city's most notorious serial killer. This stars Kira Knightley from Atonement, Carrie Coon from Ghostbusters Afterlife, Alessandro Nivola from Face Off, Chris Cooper from American Beauty, and David Dusmalchen from The Suicide Squad. Yes, the polka dot man is in this. Would I be surprised if he was a strangler? No, I would not. I would not be. So we have a true crime movie 
kind of true crime because it is based on a true story, but it's not like it's going to be a documentary style. I think that still counts, right? I mean, I may be white, but I'm not basic white bitch white enough to watch true crime stuff. Besides Unsolved Mysteries, I love that shit. But this looks good, and I, I honestly know nothing about the story of the Boston Strangler. And in fact, I didn't know that sexism could have let this person go free. I did not know that. So this has a good cast, and it's about something very interesting, and it's on a streaming service that you either already have or have some access to. Hulu's still pretty cool with password sharing. I mean, if you're blatant about it, they probably won't let you, right? But be a little sly, and you could probably get away with it. So until they tr try and crack down like Netflix does, you can borrow this and maybe check it out. Though a part of me is still iffy about this. I, I do think that movies like this and the fact that we seem to glorify these psychopaths, I think it adds to the craziness of the people who would have done this in the first place. Because let's be honest, a normal ass person would not have done this. And then let's say there's one out there right now who's just teetering on the edge and they see yet another movie coming out about a serial killer doing the kind of things they want to do, maybe that will make them go, well, sh I will be famous if I do this. I do hate all the focus on the killer and not enough on the victims and how maybe talking about this constantly will bring further grief to the victims' families. But as a movie, I think this looks pretty good. But with my conscience in play too, I have to give this a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a movie called The Snowy Day in Oakland, and this is the first of two possibly nationwide movies. As you know, I use three different websites to tell me about what movies are coming out, and sometimes they're wrong about the nationwide status of things. One website says this and the next movie are nationwide. Another one said they're not. We'll see. But this movie is called The Snowy Day in Oakland. A Snowy Day in Oakland, a magical urban tale about a beautiful psychologist from San Francisco who decides to end a stalled romance with her longtime high-profile psychiatrist boyfriend and business partner. She moves on with her life by opening her own private practice in a vacant street front office space in the middle of a small commercial block located across the bay in Oakland, turning the predominantly African-American and psychologically ignored neighborhood on its emotional ear. This stars Nicole Ari Parker from Empire, Kimberly Elise from Hit the Floor, Dion Cole from Blackish, Tony Plana from Ugly Betty, Evan Ross from the Hunger Games series, Reno Wilson from Mike and Molly, Michael Jai White from Spawn, yeah, that badass guy, Marla Gibbs from The Jeffersons, Mrs. Jefferson herself, that's right, and Loretta Devine from Boston Public. So I had to re-record this part because I went on like a five-minute speech about how in Hollywood, sometimes urban is a racist word that can sometimes mean more stereotypically black and how, you know, stuff like that. And I just took it out because even though it's true, that's not what this show is about. I'm trying to keep my rants down on a minimum. So basically that explanation was me still voicing my opinion, but, you know, not five minutes. What I do have to say about A Snowy Day in Oakland is that this comes to us from writer-director Kim Bass, who worked on such shows like Keenan Kell, Sister Sister, and In Living Color. So this is a movie from a black creator with a predominantly black cast. And as a movie content creator like me, I also have to realize when movies are made for me and when they're not. And me, being a melanin-deficient individual, you know, being half Asian, half white, 
I can still fully watch this movie and appreciate it, but I can also know that's not made for me, that there are jokes and references that I may not get. That doesn't mean I can't watch it, but it just means I have to be aware of the lens I'm watching the movie through. So I do think this movie looks entertaining, but it didn't really do anything to like just grab my attention. And that could 100% be cultural differences. So I'm actually going to cut this one short just so I don't go off on another rant. And I'll just say that A Snowy Day in Oakland does look like it's a good film. It has a good cast and that it could be worth your time. So A Snowy Day in Oakland gets a 7 out of 11. After that, we have a movie called Inside. This is the final nationwide release. Nemo is a high-end art thief who is trapped in a New York penthouse after his heist doesn't go as planned. Locked inside with nothing but priceless works of art, he must use all of his cunning to survive. This stars Willem Dafoe from Spider-Man. And so we just have Willem Dafoe. He's an art thief and he's robbing this penthouse just like it says. Something goes wrong, he gets locked in. Problem is, there's no food. It seems, I'm assuming the water is shut off because there's a scene where he's opening the freezer to lick the ice in the freezer and there's seems like there's no food and so he has to find some way to survive before someone comes is someone even going to come does someone know there was a robbery attempt and so they're just letting the person die there and then that way they can just go in and go whoops i didn't know and then is he going to go crazy on the way this looks like a great way for willem dafoe to act like we know he can like, I hated The Lighthouse. I thought it's a shit movie. The only good thing about it were the performances from Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. If it wasn't for them, there would have been nothing redeeming about that movie instead of just a little redeeming. So I'm excited to see Willem Dafoe acting like we know he can. But once again, if you do see a movie in theaters this week, this may not be it. I, I think you will get just as much enjoyment from this film watching it from the comfort of your own home than you would in a theater. My friends, Inside gets an 8 out of 11. My future friends, I was torn for the pick of the week because there's an obvious reason for not picking Shazam for the pick of the week. And that is Zachary Levi and what a gigantic piece of shit he apparently is. But then here's the question with it. His level of shitness was not fully known when this movie was greenlit and when they were making it. It's only known after the movie was completed. Do we punish everyone else for this? It's not like that Italian director who's making a movie or wanted to make a movie of Kevin Spacey. Like, don't do it. Kevin Spacey's garbage. Zachary Levi's next project, we can judge like that because they chose him. So do I punish Shazam? I say punish like my opinion really matters, but do we punish Shazam for this? Because there's a great cast behind it. That's not just him. So I did decide that would be the pick of the week. So the final movie that's not the pick of the week, my friends, is called 65. An astronaut crash lands on a mysterious planet only to discover he's not alone. This stars Adam Driver from Patterson, Ariana Greenblatt from Love and Monsters, Chloe Coleman from My Spy, and Nika King from Euphoria. So I thought that this was 65 because he goes back in time 65 million years and has to survive a bunch of dinosaurs because we know there's dinosaurs in this. That, that is not the question. But the question is, is it dinosaurs on Earth 65 million years ago? Or is he on a remote planet that just happens to look like 65 million years ago Earth? 
Either way, this looks good. This looks stupid, but good. It looks like an action sci-fi film that would make me want to play the, the Dino Crisis games again. That's what that's the feeling I'm getting from this. Adam Driver is a very good actor, and I will watch anything he's in. So Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs? Yes, please. If it wasn't for Shazam coming out this week, this would have been the pick of the week because dinosaurs, easy win. Easy. I'll take it. This looks like a mindless watch, the kind of movie that you can watch when you're just, maybe you're sick or you're just not feeling it, and then you just want to sit back and relax and not have to think critically. This is 100% that type of movie, and I am here for that. My friends, if you want to watch Adam Driver fight dinosaurs, just remember that it gets an 8.5 out of 11. So my future friends, as you already knew, the pick of the week is Shazam! Theory of the Gods. The film continues the story of teenager Billy Batson, who, upon reciting the magic word Shazam, is transformed into his adult superhero alter ego, Shazam. Returning from the first film, in order on the IMDb website, is Zachary Levi, Grace Carolyn Curry, Adam Brody, Megan Good, Jack Dylan Grazier, Jimin Honsu, Asher Angel, Marta Milans, Ross Butler, and DJ Katrona. New to the cast are Helen Mirren from The Queen, Lucy Liu from Charlie's Angels, Rachel Ziegler from West Side Story, and Diedrich Batter from Office Space. So, we already talked about Zachary Levi. I don't feel the need to jump into that again. You, you heard my views on that. And you've heard my views on canceled actors before. When was the movie made? In relation to their canceling? How bad are they? Are they J.K. Rowling, who's a gigantic turf? Or are they less bad, like Letitia Wright, who may have had a good reason for questioning things when she did, but maybe should have realized that she has a big platform and has responsibility? The former, unforgivable. The latter, very forgivable. But my issue with Shazam is that who the f*** are the bad guys? I mean, I am stoked for Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. I am stoked for them. They can sell me on anything. However, who the f*** are they? Like, I have access to IMDb. I know they're Hespera and Calypso. I, I know who they are as in their names, but why do I care? But when we have Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, we know their rogues gallery. I mean, maybe a little less for Wonder Woman, but we know a lot of their rogues galleries. We know Zod, we know Lex Luthor, we know the Joker, the Riddler, we know Ares and Maxwell Lord and Cheetah, but who the f*** are any of these people? And that's one of the downsides of any comic book movie when it's not one of the big ones. It's the villains a lot of the time are half the fun. And I think that's what the MCU does so well, is that they will introduce a bad guy that who the f*** knows who this bad guy is and make it interesting. Like, before the movie, did you really know who Baron Zemo was? I mean, maybe you did. Good for you. Or Gore. Like, who the f*** is Agatha Harkness? But they still did good jobs with those bad guys. So that's the issue with a movie like this, is that it, it lacks the added benefit of me wanting to see the villain because I don't know who they are. I don't get the awe of seeing a story I'm familiar with on the big screen. Like, even though they changed up Civil War, I was familiar with Civil War. Even though they changed up Dark Phoenix and the movie sucked, I knew the Dark Phoenix saga. Not the MCU with that one, but you know what I mean. But that being said, we can go off the first Shazam movie, and I had no idea who that bad guy was, who 
Mark Strong's Dr. Savannah was. I just had to look that up because I had no clue. But I really liked it. I still remember the final battle between Shazam and Dr. Savannah when they're floating in the air and he's pontificating and Shazam's just like, I, I, I can't hear you. I have no idea what you're saying. But also the question is, will Shazam be in the new DC universe that is being worked on by James Gunn? Apparently James Gunn said that he will, but it depends on how the sequel pans out. But my question is, will they still keep Zachary Levi? But all of these questions are for the future. Right now, we should talk about this movie as a film. I think it is the best-looking film this week for the theater, even though I think other movies like Inside or Wildflower or even A Snowy Day in Oakland look like better quality movies. As far as the art of filmmaking goes, I think that Shazam! Fear of the Gods is the one to see in the theaters because it will be the most fun and be more worth your while on the big screen. Ignoring Zachary Levi, it has a good cast that I want to support, so my future friends Shazam! Fury of the Gods gets a 9 out of 11. Well, that is it for this episode, my friends. Tune in next week for yet another episode where I tell you what movies are coming out, and tell me, always reach out to me and tell me, like, what movie would you see this week? What would your pick of the week be? And if you see any of these, what was your score and how did it relate to mine? Reach out to me. Find the ways to reach out to me in the show notes. And please remember to check out the Friends of the Shows, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast, and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please also remember to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you can. Please give me a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I would love all of the stars, please. And my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.